baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is now 8.08 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I am your host, Geraldine Steele. I've been here 23 years, and I've enjoyed being here with you. It is all about you. My goodness, we have a great guest coming up. That's right. More than 9,000 Minnesotans live with HIV. Did you know that? There are 200 new diagnoses each year, yet we have the technology to end HIV. Did you know that? Rainbow Health is hosting the 33rd annual Minnesota Walk to End HIV. Rainbow Wealth CEO Jeremy Hansen Willis joins us to talk about it on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. And we are going to talk about what it will take for us to get this done. Jeremy, welcome to WCCO. Thank you, Geraldine. Good to be with you. You too. So I did not know that the numbers had come down to 9,000 Minnesotans. I believe it was much higher than that many years ago. Do I have that correct? Well, certainly HIV and AIDS have changed a lot over time, and it's a much more manageable disease for many people, and we have the tools to end it outright. So if you have the tools to end it outright, why aren't we talking about that every day, all, you know, all the time? I don't understand why we stop thinking about it. We know that there are those who are living with it. We know that there are those um, who have taken medicines to extend their lifeline. However, if there is a cure, why aren't we, you know, screaming this from the top of the buildings? I ask myself the same question every day. I think part of it is that not enough people know that the tools are available. Um, there are medicines that you can take that will prevent you from acquiring HIV that are 99% effective. And there are medications that you can take if you have HIV that will keep you healthy and bring the HIV down to undetectable levels, meaning that even if you are living with HIV, you cannot pass that on to someone else. So these are amazing technologies that can protect you from getting HIV and keep you healthy if you have HIV. So it's no longer the death sentence it was. But in addition to knowing about that, the real challenges we have are social issues because we've made incredible medical progress and scientific progress, but that has not been matched by social progress. Mm. So why do we still see the same number of people diagnosed if we have the technology to stop the spread of it? I mean, how does it begin? How do they walk into like a rainbow um, uh, or any hospital or any clinic or any doctor? They walk in and say, hey, I have HIV and I understand that there's a cure for it. Are the, is the medical community very clear that there are, there's a way to stop it, that it can be cured? Well, certainly we need to educate more people in the public and educate more healthcare professionals. But the real barriers, as I mentioned, are the social barriers. So it's racism, homophobia, transphobia in our healthcare systems. It's lack of affordable and stable housing. It's lack of health insurance or even access to healthcare. 
So if you're a person who doesn't have stable housing, who doesn't have health insurance or health care, you're not even going to be able to see a doctor, let alone be able to get on the medications, afford the medications, and be able to stay on top of them to lead a healthy life. So at Rainbow Health, we view people holistically and not only make sure that they have health insurance and health care, but that they understand how to take care of their health, that they have financial stability, that they have a place to sleep that's safe and stable at night. Those are the real barriers. And then, of course, the racism, homophobia, transphobia, all of the issues in our healthcare system that make it difficult for people to get the care that they need. When I read um, uh, in your um, your notes, it, it says that you provide holistic support and resources for all of your clients. That is remarkable. Tell me how a holistic approach really affects those who have HIV. Well, in Minnesota and around the country, unfortunately, HIV and AIDS has been a disease of injustice since the beginning. And so, as you know, injustice in our society means that some populations are affected more than others. So many of the people who are affected by HIV are black, indigenous, people of color, are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and people who have barriers in the healthcare system. So the first thing we do is work with that healthcare system to make it better for these populations. So everybody can go to any clinic, any hospital, any treatment center and get the care that they need. But in the meantime, we practice holistic care at Rainbow Health. So when come, someone comes to us and um, not only do they need information and medications about HIV, but if they don't have health insurance, we help them get health insurance. If they don't have stable housing, we can provide them subsidized transitional housing for up to two years. If they don't have transportation, or financial stability, we can provide emergency financial assistance. We also look at them holistically and we um, have chemical health programs. We have mental health therapists. Um, so we can really help respond to the person. And oftentimes folks have multiple issues that they face. And so they may have chemical health issues. They may have mental health issues that are making it difficult for them to have a stable life. And so we try to meet all of those needs at Rainbow Health to be able to see the person as a whole person. Mm. Tell us about when Rainbow Health started um, and what that time was like versus what it's like today. Because so many of us don't think about it necessarily. We don't think about HIV like we used to. Remember when people were terrified to even touch someone with HIV, let alone AIDS? Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm, you know, it's, it's been a, an incredible movement and an incredible time right now to see so many that are surviving it all. So tell me when it started, why it started, and how did it get you where you are today? How did you get here? Well, you're absolutely right that a lot has changed. So Rainbow Health was actually founded in 1983 as the Minnesota AIDS Project. And for the first 35 years of our existence, we were focused on HIV and AIDS and ending AIDS in Minnesota. But because the disease has become more manageable, because the technology and medications are available, even though HIV was a disease of injustice on day one, um, it's even more so today. And so we've broadened our scope to not just be focused on HIV, but at these, at these other health issues as well. And so we have a large mental health practice. Um, we have COVID information and resources. And we work to not only uh, educate 
healthcare professionals about HIV, but how to provide better care for Black, Indigenous, and people of color who face racism and prejudice in healthcare systems every day, and uh, transgender people who have much higher incidence of HIV have a terrible time getting the health care that they need. So today we are have broadened uh, to a broader uh, health equity agenda. But we were started in 1983 by the first Minnesotans diagnosed with AIDS at the time. Actually, the first Minnesotan was a man named Bruce Brockway, the first Minnesotan diagnosed with AIDS at the time. In just this month, 40 years ago in April, uh, was when Bruce Brockway was diagnosed. And so he and his friends uh, got organized and got people together and created the Minnesota AIDS Project, which was the first and largest uh, HIV AIDS organization in Minnesota. And so we carry that legacy with us today and the memory of all those who have died from HIV and AIDS, but understand that the best way to end HIV in 2022 is to end the barriers and the bigotry in our healthcare system. My goodness, well said, sir. We're going to take a break. Can you stick with me? I sure can. Thank you. Excellent. We'll be back with Jeremy in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 821. And of course, we are talking with CEO Jeremy Hansen Willis, um, and, and it's called Rainbow Health. I don't know if you've heard about it or not, but I encourage you to look into it. There is so much going on with HIV even today. And I know that we have, you know, attempted to leap mountains and the ever-changing medicine and how great things are happening right now because you don't, you literally can, this virus can virtually be undetectable and untransmittable. That is remarkable. So, Jeremy, let's just talk very quickly about what that means. Um, the medication, is it already paid for for those that have HIV? Well, if you have insurance and access ah. to good quality care, um, so that, yeah, certainly the medications are available, um, but you need to have a good doctor who understands them and you need to have health insurance. And so okay, so are then barriers for a lot of people. So then what? Um, if, they, if they can't get the medicine, then what do you do? If you can't get the health insurance for them, what right. do you do? Well, we certainly do everything we can to help them get affordable health insurance, whether through Minsure or Medicaid or something like that. Um, we can also help them get financially stable, get them into stable housing, to help them uh, get their lives in order. There are certainly a number of uh, programs that help someone get uh, insurance. So there are definitely pathways to do that. Um, but usually um, what we can provide is a case manager, a medical case manager to help that person walk through the hoops that they need to get through, the paperwork they need to fill out uh, and make sure that they can get to a doctor, get on insurance, and get their medication. So there are programs available, and a lot of times folks just need help to go through that process and then have other parts of their life stable, like housing and finances, and we can help in those ways also. What percentage of clients do not reach that? Well, our goal is to get um, close to 90% of the folks we work with to undetectable levels. And so then they can get HIV down to that level that they cannot transmit it to others. And that requires okay. some work on their part. 
um, and on our part. I understand. So let's talk obviously, a little bit about. Obviously, oh, the, you know, the goal, the, the goal is 100 percent, of course. Um, but a lot of the folks have very chaotic lives. And if they're not stably housed, if they don't have a stable job, if they don't have other parts of their lives in order, it can be difficult. And so our case managers go above and beyond to stick with folks uh, to make sure that we can provide as much stability uh, to get as close to 100 percent as we can for all of the folks living with HIV. Well, of course, we have to finally talk about Walk to End HIV. Now, this event is happening next Sunday? That's right. One week from today, Sunday, May 15th, in Minnehaha Park in Minneapolis, right by the waterfalls. It's our annual fundraiser and awareness raiser. And so the Walk to End HIV is an annual uh, recommitment and re-education of the ongoing fight against HIV to remind folks that this is a beatable, endable epidemic, um, but it takes work. It takes resources to provide all of the programs, that services that we provide, and we really rely on a community of support to do that. So the walk is a fundraiser. It helps raise awareness, and it's a lot of fun. You can be outside on a Sunday, hopefully sunny Sunday afternoon in May. We have entertainment and speakers and music. We have a wellness village where you can get a massage and do some yoga. Our COVID team will be there to get resources and information and testing around COVID. So it's a lot of fun and uh, a great way to help support our cause. Now, this is your 33rd annual walk. That is huge. And, of course, it is also Rainbow Health's 40th anniversary advocating for and servicing this LGBTQ plus community. That is quite remarkable, sir. It really is. And so as you move forward, can you tell us one thing that you hope to change in the next 30 years? Well, I hope we're able to end HIV and make sure that every Minnesotan has access to not only the life-saving medications, but also the health equity access, the financial and housing stability uh, that everyone deserves. And uh, the walk is one way to do that. So to find out more information, you can go to mnwalktoendhiv.org or check out our website at rainbowhealth.org and make a plan to join us next Sunday or at least find out more about our work and how you can support it. Hopefully we won't have to wait 30 years or 40 years um, and we can end this all now if we just commit ourselves to it. Isn't that the truth? Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I believe I have talked to you before, Jeremy. Um, Do you remember if we had a conversation? Because I do especially after some of the things you said tonight. So if I did get a chance to interview you before, I'm so happy that you joined us tonight. Rainbow Health CEO, Jeremy Hansen Willis. Give us that website one more time if people want to come for the walk or if they just want to learn more about Rainbow Health. It's the mnwalktoendhiv.org or rainbowhealth.org. And thank you so much for having this great conversation with you tonight. It's been a pleasure. Take care of yourself, Jeremy. Keep the work up. 
All right, everyone. Thank you. Um, The thing is, we have to remember that no matter where we are in life, the bottom line is that there is uh, there's so much more life around us and people are hurting. Um, Many are sick uh, and people are also happy and joyful and confused and bothered by so many things. Um, You see people that cannot get the health care that they need. Why aren't, you know, uh, why, why isn't the Supreme Court making sure that all health care will be available to all Americans? Why couldn't we do that, right? So it's frustrating. It's so frustrating when you hear one side of one issue and then you don't hear another side of another issue. Um, it's very frustrating. But my head is, uh, you know, held high and my heart is still open. And I keep saying to myself, what should I get involved in? What What can I do? to make a difference. And I hope you ask that question of yourself. It's not too late to do that. That's for sure. All right. Coming up next, um, our next guest in the eight o'clock hour is Nancy Bologna. And um, they're calling all artists, musicians, and creatives. You want to know why? Well, there's a new project up and running to help you get your creative juices flowing and show off your hard work. You want to know what it is? Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It is now 8.35 here at WCCO, and as we mentioned before, calling all artists, musicians, and creatives, there is a new project up and running to help you get your creative juices flowing and show off your hard work. Author and creator Nancy Bologna is here to tell us more about the lives of CC Mercy. I heard about this on television not long ago. CC Mercy and how artists can get involved in the creative process. Welcome, Nancy. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you get to explain to us what this is really all about. What What is the lives of CC Mercy? Well, it's apparently a little bit of a new idea because I haven't been able to find much uh, by way of, uh, of a model. It is basically, um, it's a digital novel, which means I have written a novel that is on a website. But the difference is that people who want to write but maybe don't have the sort of how do I get started, you know, I'm not in Hollywood, how would I begin this, it gives them a chance, a platform for them to create and help me write the story. It's currently got, um, let's see, I've got five seasons. Each season has 10 episodes. And I put in, posted already on the website, the first 10 episodes of season one, and am asking writers, photographers, musicians, videographers, uh, people who love to draw or animate to submit their work and help me tell this story. The characters are, there's actually a lot of them. There's over a hundred. They're all a little bit different. A hundred? And wow. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, and they have funny names like Baby Toes. Well, do, where did that come from? But 
so yes, there's a lot of characters, and I think the interesting part is that people can say, "Gee, I really like Cece Mercy, who is the main character, but far from the one that gets the most attention," and they can go forward with her. They can say, "Gee, Nancy, we think she should fall in love with this guy," and they can write in. And as the community grows, people can vote on submissions. Let's say, for example, you submitted one for another episode, or you wanted to be a character for a while. You can be that character. You can take her forward. You can extend her in the present. You can take her backwards and talk about her childhood. Mm. So it's a very different idea, but the ultimate purpose is to actually get me out of the center of this and to let artists and creative people have a platform to create and to get recognition. If they submit it, it becomes part of the novel. It becomes, they get highlighted. Uh, they're all over Facebook or Instagram, whatever. So it's, it's just a way to let our everyday people like me, like you, I'm assuming, who, who would really have something to contribute, but don't quite have the starting point. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Okay, so then the people that come forward and say, hey, I want to help, I want to be a part of this, are they being paid? No, they're not getting paid. In fact, they, uh, we get the first 10, this is all just for now. Remember, I'm just starting. They, after season one, there's a subscription rate of two ninety nine a month. And if they get in, then they get lots of recognition. They get perks. They get eventually, I would like to look for a way to compensate them. But for now, it's just to see if I can get enough energy going and to get people involved. But what they would get is something on a resume. They could say, I was featured in CC Mercy. They can get um, a lot of basically publicity, I guess, you know, get me out of the middle of this and let them be highlighted. And that's basically how I'm starting it. Okay, so what concerns me about this is that we know that there has been a movement here in our country uh, when it comes to paying artists, right? We know that right. uh, many of them um, are doing things for free. If you can think of a commercial and you can videotape it on your iPhone and send it to the company, sometimes they use it and you never get paid for it. Um, and and I, that troubles me. It really does trouble me. So what are, you said over 100 characters are in this. How many people have gotten involved so far? We're just starting, actually, Geraldine. We're just getting out the gate. I have, oh, I don't know, maybe 200, uh, I think so far, about 200 followers. I am literally just starting. And I think down the road, because I really believe that artistic work should be compensated, certainly acknowledged and recognized. And this isn't about Nancy. This is about Mary Jones, who submitted this episode. I'm just not, I'm literally just not sure yet how this will evolve. If we get a lot of people contributing, I always am for giving people the recognition and financially, hopefully, uh, that payback. I'm just nervous about stating that up front until we have a little more, if you will, energy and, and um, people interested in the community. So how long ago did you come up with this idea? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm still in a full-time job, so I think about, I've always had characters in mind. I'm a clinical psychologist, so as a, as a profession, I understand and think about human nature, and I think about people. And I started thinking about, there are so many good writers, 
I can't draw worth anything, so I'm more of a writer. If there's any creativity in me, it's in writing. And I started thinking about, is there a way to get people more directly involved? In one sense, I'm trying to imitate YouTube or let's take YouTube, where is, in a sense it's a democracy of opportunity. People can put anything that they want up there. But there are a lot of people that aren't quite ready to say, oh, I'm going to go and do a videography of myself. So that was part of it. The other part of it is I've always had this in my mind. I have characters all the time in my in my mind, and I just sat down about, let's see, I think I started writing the actual novel probably about 18 months ago, and I just started writing every day for 75 minutes, and it just came out. Mm. You know, one of the statements um, in, in some of the information you sent me, it says, at the end of the day, we need to look for the mercy in the world among all of the chaos. There isn't much of it out there, but when you do find it, you need to cherish it. Oh, my gosh. At this time in our lives here in the United States and beyond, my goodness, do we need it. Um, I think there's a whole lot of mercy that is going on. We just don't hear about it. We may not even understand it. But the bottom line is that it is happening. It's happening every day. And so as you move forward with this and you talk to the artists, are they starting to see from this particular perspective what that really means to who we are? Wow, that is an excellent question. Really a good, a good way to think about it. You know, the concept of the name C.C. Mercy, and you might already know this from some of your notes, was that, you know, in the old days, in my era, that C.C. meant carbon copy. So my point of C.C. Mercy was exactly what you just restated, is in all these little actions and all these little ways that each of us in our lives every day, there is tremendous mercy, especially at this era of our life, at this time in our lives. Um, the COVID and Ukraine, and we have this and we have that, and we have political disarray. It has been, it's so important that we pay attention to the mercy. So the, to, have they figured that out yet? Yeah, I've had some feedback that they said, here I thought this character was going to be really mean, and he was really, really kind. Part of it's built into the content of the novel. Again, there's, you know, 50, 50 episodes. So you've got sort of good people and bad people, but mercy shows up. And hopefully there's a feeling of identification in that. Like, gee, you know, that little thing I did was really a good thing to do in this kind of crazy world we're in. So you I'm just called mercy, um, forgive me for interrupting, but you just called mercy he. Um, yet I've, I'm looking in the notes and it says, I imagined her alone and in danger. Tell me, um, which is it? Is mercy a he, it's, she, it's or... A- it's a she. Sorry, yes, it's a woman. It's a young girl okay. who who grows up pretty quickly. Yes, I'm sorry, I must have missed sixteen year that, old, but... right? A sixteen year old. And is she alone yeah. in the world? And all of these writers come and they have the option to add to her life, to add friends, to add such and such. Is that how this yeah. is working? You can change the yeah. narrative then. Yes. The the narrative again, it's a little tricky and I wish I had some precursors, but First of all, Cece isn't alone. She has a great family. She's the youngest of twin. Uh, she has three older brothers. Some are good. Some are not so good. Uh, it's a story about two, fundamentally two families that intersect in a lot of different ways, good and bad. But Cece isn't alone. But you're ab- is not alone. But you're right. You could somebody could say, I want to. Take her and have her find five new friends. I want her to do this or that. She 
she's a bit of an adventurer. So she's going to move very quickly from a town near Duluth and end up at the University of Idaho. Her older brother, Virgil, is going to go traverse Alaska. So there's a lot of action that moves the geography from from Minnesota through to Idaho, to Washington, and up to Alaska, and, and, and even Canada. So you can take on her, and you could say, Nancy, I really want to see her like this guy and date him, and off we go. So the story is open for everyone to fill it in. Once it's done, once an episode's done, then it's done. Then we go to the so next if someone- episode. Okay, so if someone comes in and they change it, they change the narrative, and they say, no, we're going to actually have C.C. Mercy um, as, you know, like the book Sid Author, where she is alone on this path. This is her, uh-huh. this is her sacrifice. This is her time to grow and learn um, by herself. And so all of a sudden it changes, and it's not like she's meeting people all the time. Maybe she is alone. She's constantly looking for the truth um, in what and who we are as human beings, spiritual spiritual beings. So if if it changes like that, then of course that changes everything. What do you do at that point? Do you con- contact all of those that have already uh, shared their ideas for CC Mercy, or do you stop and go, okay, we're going to do something completely different with this? She's going to be alone, and we're going to stick with that for maybe a year, and then come back and change something again. How do you start to think about that? That is. So the way I'm thinking about that is that once, for example, season one, 10 episodes have been posted and they're kind of done. Uh, At some point I have to say, okay, that's what we know so far. If one person contributes and says, we want Cece to become this kind of character where she is, to your point, Siddhartha, where she is on a, on a journey of truth and the people around her aren't that influential Yes, of course I'm open to that. That the, the problem is I'm going to, or the issue will be, I remain as the chief editor. For a while, I have to protect the integrity of the story. We don't want a character to become completely different than they already are. So in some ways, I've set the stage of 10 episodes and said, hey, everybody, what do you think? Do you want this one to move? Do you want Virgil to go there? Do you want T-Bone to do this? Think about what you want to do, or they may just want to write an episode. Now, as the community builds, they will be the voters. They will say, three people wanted to have CC be this way. We want it to be this one, and that one wins. But for a while, I will remain in the role of editor, making sure that the story has some continuity. Uh, you know, we don't go into science fiction all of a sudden, for example. Your example is a good one. It could very well be that, CC takes on a very different destiny, and the book is open to that. The novel is open to that. I'm providing an insurance policy by having stuff written. I'm hoping I don't have to share it. I'm hoping that the book moves on its own through the contributions of the people out there. Final so question. Final question. Go ahead. Um, yep. So now that this has started, I know you want this novel to go into a television show or a movie or something like that. Is that your, 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 it's what you want? That's what you're seeking? No. no That's the end game? No, it isn't. The, the reason it's in seasons, and I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I can't imagine. I'm sure there's enough content out there. The reason that it's in seasons and episodes is to keep it visual. 
is to make it feel a little bit more like if you went to The Sopranos, you could find episode four and episode five. That was my ultimate, my ultimate goal. My real desire is that artists get out there, ones that may not right now have that form or that medium. But it's very new, and I haven't found a lot like it, and so there's a lot of unknowns. It's going well. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm just surprised because uh, in your notes it also says artists shouldn't deviate from the core of who these characters are or their experiences. We also want to stay away from political agendas, expletives, and inappropriate content. I wish we had more time together to talk about this, and I hope in about three years you and I can talk again and find out where you are with this. It is quite different, um, and it, it doesn't make sense to me just yet, but I am going to look this up and see if I can find more information about it and maybe even download the novel. Is that possible? Yes. The first 10 episodes are there. And I think. The Where, do Where do we go to get that? Where do we go to get it? CCMercy.com. Okay, good enough. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, that's a lot to, to take in, Nancy, but we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you, too. Bye bye. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. It is now 8.55 here at WCCO. Thank you so much for sticking and staying with us here at WCCO. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. And the next hour is Center Stage. It's when we get a chance to um, tell you all about what's going on in the arts and entertainment business. And I tell you, there is a lot going on. I mean, we are fully open, fully open. And it's really exciting to see. I had a chance to go to a couple things this weekend that I participated in. And I tell you, it was just beautiful to see so many people. Some did distance um, themselves because it was large enough um, uh, for those that were invited. But my goodness, honestly, people are seriously excited to be out and about again, getting dressed up and going and just having a blast. Um, I must say to you, um, to the listeners, that I really don't get the idea of CC Mercy. I am going to go to the website. I did hear about it either on the radio or television, and I don't remember what all was said about it. And I kept saying to myself, I should look that up. That's really interesting. That's a little strange to me. Um, but I hope to stay on top of this and try to figure out what exactly this is. Um, so many artists have not been paid during this COVID time, and it's really tough. I remember in 2020, I lost it all. I lost every job I had except for WCCO radio. And I'm grateful that I was able to stay with you uh, on the radio. So I, I am, I'm just a little stunned by that, uh, this conversation, but I will look it up. I'll stay ahead of it and update you when I can. Now, in, in center stage, I want to tell you, Rohan Preston is back. He's going to be the first one at 9.08 to join us tonight. Tonight, there's a lot to talk about. Theater, if you remember, in 2020, was really adversely affected. My goodness, everything just shut down. It's not like you can get in theater and and the theater, uh, the cast members just go somewhere else in the room and, and start practicing. No, they have to be together to act it out. So I'm just excited that theaters are open and that we're moving up and forward. It's a beautiful thing. We'll be back with Center Stage in just a minute. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.